you having a very like high having even like a very high carb like simple carbohydrate like meal and doing a brisk walk after that just like has a huge impact to how your glucose levels just don't spike at all right welcome to the high performance health podcast with your host angela foster the show where we talk about everything you need to break through limits and achieve a high performance mind body and lifestyle so for those of you that have been following me on Instagram recently, I have been playing around with a continuous blood glucose monitor and it doing some bits of self-experimentation. Um, and I often get asked what app I'm using and what device. And so that's why I'm excited to share today that I have Anthony Annie Bonham. I hope I've pronounced that correctly. <laughs> I should have checked well. before. Very, very well. Um, who is the founder of Very. And this is definitely an interface. Um, there's you know a few blood glucose monitors out there, but this isn't an interface that I've really enjoyed the insights from, really enjoyed how user-friendly it is. And so I'm excited to share because as I say, I've been getting lots and lots of questions about it. So first of all, Anthony, a really warm welcome to the show. Thank you very much, Angela. I'm really excited to be here. Yeah, I'm really excited to have you. Now, um, Very obviously is a company that really is um, wanting to help people improve their health and find the right foods for their body. And it's definitely, we can talk more about that in a moment on the way that it's helped me to do that. Um, but tell me first, let's just sort of set the scene for people. What prompted you to, to start this company? Yeah, own health problems actually. And health problems, my, my co-founders health problems too. Um, yeah, like I, uh, I, I played, I played soccer most of my life growing up. And, uh, when I got injured and most of my activity stopped for a while, I started seeing, um, a lot of health problems occur. And one of, one of them was, I was very, very lost with my, with my nutrition. And that followed like a lot of like weight management issues and, and such. And I just felt that there's only very subjective information on the market and the tools that are there out there. And this is a long time ago, actually, this is like around 10 years ago. But uh, at the time I started, I, I got very interested in, in nutritional sciences and, and, uh, and, and, and anything related to health. Um, but as well, at the same time, entrepreneurship. And then when the time really came at uh, around 20, 2019, 2020, when I connected on the same note with my co-founder that we've both had issues with our health and especially with, with, uh, on, on the end of nutrition or on the side of nutrition, we decided to build something in the space. And, uh, that's where very then started, started brewing the idea to build something, something in the lines of what the product is today. So you found that when you were very active, you were kind of metabolically pretty healthy and what we would call metabolically flexible, but it was when you got injured, what you sort of, you started to gain weight, did you on your existing diet? Exactly. Yes. Yeah. yeah it's really interesting, isn't it? And I think for me, this really comes into the fore for people who actually understand that they probably fall into the category of being carb sensitive. So I do a lot of work with genetics and run program longevity, a blueprint where we look at genetics as part of it. And what's interesting is for those that have a high carb sensitivity, they do have a harder time controlling their blood glucose. And I fall within that category. Mm -hmm. And so we've done some experimentation at home, my husband and I, 
where we've eaten the same foods and then we've tested them with continuous blood glucose monitors to see the impact. And he is somebody who isn't carb sensitive. And it's really, really interesting to see the effect. So one of the most notable examples for me was he was juicing some carrot and ginger and celery. And that combination where you strip out the fiber, obviously it's full of still really good nutrition and it's vitamin dense. Um, but then because you stripped away the fiber, when I drank it, my blood glucose spiked to 13.7, which is crazy, right? And his barely moved. And I think I realized then that how carb sensitive I was. And, and that had been showing up for me in my 20s when I was diagnosed with PCOS and insulin resistance. And I had to work really, really hard to get things back on track, which I did, and, and put that into sort of, I guess what you'd call remission and have stayed very lean and healthy, but it's always a work in progress. So this for me is such a useful tool to really understand which foods spike it and which ones don't. And that's, that's really what I want to dive into with you today. Very cool. um, yeah, it's, it's really interesting. Now, so when we, um, why don't we start? Cause I think for people who really don't understand this, they will have been, um, familiar with like finger pricking, which obviously diabetics, um, do they, some of them do wear these continuous monitors, but they would prick the end of their finger and, and measure, which is an arduous and actually quite a painful process. Um, this device goes into the arm. Can you explain first of all, just so people understand, cause it's completely painless, I must say, um, how that is working and how it's sensing your glucose. Yes, absolutely. So the, the device itself is called a, a, a CGM, a continuous glucose monitor that uh, tracks your glucose from your intestinal fluid. Um, it's uh, very easy to apply, comfortable in the sense that you can do it in home, you know, yourself in a couple of, couple of seconds, you have a, you have a bio lab in the back of your, in the back of your arm, monitoring your glucose levels and your glucose levels from your still fluid, uh, every five minutes. So that's as it essence, how the CGM sensor itself works. Okay, perfect. And what's really useful is that you can take readings at any one time, but it will also store data for up to eight hours, right? Yeah, we'll store data up to eight hours. So with the glucose, with the glucose sensor itself, the CGM, um, in the back of your hand, uh, how it basically, uh, how you are able to read the data and bring the glucose data into your mobile application is by wanding it or tapping it, like you know you would pay on uh, on Apple on uh, with um, with Apple Pay, uh, mm -hmm. as you would as you would just like wand the cashier machine. Um, you would, you would as well, like you want the sensor and you get, uh, your data from eight hours backwards to, uh, to your mobile phone. There are as well Bluetooth, um, devices that are something that we're looking into, um, to, instead of having to want the sensor using NFC, you could, uh, instead get them imported to, um, to a true Bluetooth into your mobile device. What? So that it would read automatically, you mean? Yes. Ah, okay. So then you would get constant readings. Yes. Yeah, that would be really interesting, wouldn't it? Because I found, I always say to people when they're doing this, make sure you scan quite frequently because otherwise you're going to see really good trends, but you're not going to capture those moments of what really happened and get an actual reading live. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, it's, it's very important to remember to scan every eight hours. So usually like daytime is not an issue. And of course to 
the views you can look at you can look at the trends and you can understand the single point measures that it what it was like his, uh, historical value every five minutes but um every eight hours so scanning in the morning first thing you wake up and night just before you go to bed you ensure that you have 100 of your data which you yeah so that you don't get any breaks and i like the way as well that it um is open to Apple Health. So it was able to read my sleep data because that's really useful because obviously across the time that I was using it, nobody gets a perfect night's sleep every every night. And, and we had a, a stressful family event that was going on um, with my father in hospital. So I actually didn't get much sleep. And I found those insights particularly useful when you're under stress and you're underslept. We know, and we know that the scientific literature will show that it's harder to control your blood glucose when that's happening. But to actually see that in the app was, was really, really interesting to see that I could eat the same foods, but have a, a different response in that situation. Exactly. There's a, there's a lot of, lot of stuff around sleep and, uh, and glucose levels and, and insulin levels. Uh, a lot of things related to related to melatonin, like increased levels of melatonin and insulin and how uh, the equation just doesn't, doesn't function that well. So when your melatonin levels are very high up and you eat, for example, you secrete insulin and insulin is a fat secreting hormone and a fat storing hormone. So Uh, this is this is based on like some of the recent studies. This is a very like bad combination and is uh, very much shown to lead to uh, increased increased levels of insulin resistance and and uh, potentially even like type two diabetes. That's interesting. So what you're saying is, if melatonin levels are high, that encourages more insulin to be released. Uh, what I'm when saying, eating. it's actually uh, that the insulin itself is not uh, is not able to, uh, or your glucose levels are not able to get 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 back stable, and your insulin insulin levels like keep uh, like chronically high, so to say. Okay, because you're less insulin sensitive when melatonin is high. Exactly. Now, if you're looking to control your blood sugar, then there is a great product called Blood Sugar Breakthrough by my friends over at bioptimizers.com. And this breakthrough blood sugar product helps you increase blood sugar uptake into the muscles rather than the fat cells. It's been shown to improve exercise performance and muscle gain and improve your energy levels, your carbohydrate metabolism, and also neutralize oxidative damage from high blood glucose. And you can get a cool 10% off blood sugar breakthrough by going to www.bioptimizers.com forward slash Angela and entering code Angela 10 at checkout. That's bioptimizers.com forward slash Angela and entering code Angela 10 at checkout. Yeah, that's interesting because that really would then, um, it, it's interesting what, what that would show around people who eat late at night, for example. Yeah, um, these are very early, early findings still, and and it, it's the the space is moving forward. But but with 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 sleep, with uh, what can be said about like nighttime eating is what we're seeing in 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 uh, night nighttime workers and how uh, obesity is so much more uh, so much more common uh, in in that population, unfortunately. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, the, the lack of sleep, I think I was reading um, a paper that showed that when you are underslept, just one night of really being underslept can make you as insulin sensitive as a type two diabetic. 
yeah. um, which is quick, right? It happens overnight, literally. Uh, and also it, it helps, you know, the way that you control a good night's sleep, you're going to have a better release of ghrelin and leptin in terms of your hunger levels and your satiety levels than when you're underslept. So that plays a part. But it does it make sense because if you look at human growth hormone, for example, that isn't well produced in the presence of insulin. And we know, you know, that once you get to about 40, most of that human growth hormone production occurs during deep sleep. So for people who are eating late at night, shift workers, um, or a lot of people just eating and drinking things right up until bedtime, they're not going to be getting those replenishing and regenerative effects. And so both in terms of their muscle mass and their gut health and their skin health from that human growth hormone. Um, so yeah, it's really interesting. And I definitely saw that, as I say, when I was testing it. Um, what was interesting for me, and I think you saw, was when I shared on Instagram around um, carbohydrate and just food combining. So again, this we have to uh, you know, qualify that this will be different in any, every individual according to how fit and how metabolically flexible they are, but also their microbiome plays an impact on blood glucose and their genetics. Um, but looking at my own, and, and people are very interested, when I had you know, sourdough with a small be, uh, bit of peanut butter versus when I had sourdough with scrambled eggs, and then versus uh, no sourdough at all and just scrambled eggs, bacon and avocado. And that third one kept my blood glucose very, very stable, which you would expect from the protein and the fats. Um, but just by having some extra protein in the form of eggs on top of the sourdough really moderated that response. Uh, so people can go and check that out on my Instagram. But I, I was interested because I know you've been collecting a huge amount of data because you have so many people using it in terms of the types of foods that you've seen sort of mess around with people's blood glucose the most. Can you share a bit of that? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Food, like, as you said, like food pairing is huge. So this is something that we are seeing in our data set as well. When uh, there is like protein, uh, protein and fats are combined with, uh, with even like very simple, uh, simple carbohydrates, they tend to curb blood sugar spikes, uh, pretty well in, in, uh, in our data set as well. So that is very, very exciting. Food pairing is a huge thing, not, talked about in nearly enough i think that uh, we have a we have a very different kind of um, approach to food uh, right now it's uh, very much focused on what we eat instead of how we eat as well which has a huge huge impact um and what we talked about earlier as well when we eat right <laughs> related to related to some of the things that we're we're finding in our database so with very when you log foods you're basically you're logging foods by taking an image of your of your meal and adding some some uh, typing to understanding that what is it about that you're having on your plate right now some people go much more granular some people go a bit less granular but uh, overall we've collected multiple thousands of tags of different food items that people people have eaten and and looked at how on an aggregate they uh, they tend to score so very has a simple scoring mechanism of one to ten which every single meal is, is scored by a by a stability score or or a meal score and uh we're seeing a lot of very interesting things things like things like falafel is actually one of the worst worst performing uh, tags in our data set might be as well that it's uh there's just um 
the N is very small, but Falafel is one of the worst performing um, uh, tags right now in the data set. Shushi is the next one. And we've seen that actually in the office. We've tested out a lot of different restaurants around us and what we we've basically given them very, very scores, so to say, on those different restaurants. <laughs> uh, we've verified them. Um, and some of the some of the best uh, performing performing tags on the on our data set are things like smoked salmon, boiled eggs, uh, almond butter, um, Greek yogurt, that kind of stuff, chicken breast. So very like quality protein and and uh, a good good mixture of proteins and and fats and and as well uh, some carbohydrates too. Have you seen any difference with something like Greek yogurt when people are having the full fat version versus the 0% fat? We, we don't, we have, we don't, haven't collected that granular uh, data like ourselves, but most likely, most likely are, uh, there's, there's a, there's a difference and, and our, our audience is seeing that, but we don't have that data. Yeah. Yeah. Not yet. Um, yeah, it is interesting because I think the food combining is is so interesting and also the time of day. I mean, I recently did an experiment on myself. So I've been doing some strength training, just, you know, period, there's certain blocks of the year where I deliberately try to gain more muscle mass just to protect longevity and then I'll go through a cardio phase. And I was utilizing that where I was doing um, a much, instead of fasting in the morning, I would have a much higher dose. I would have a, well, a high dose of protein. So definitely 30 grams and above. And that has super fast impact on my body composition in terms of like literally leaning out within weeks. It's amazing. Just that, that metabolic trigger, which I know like Tim Ferriss always talks about in the four hour work week, um, four hour body, sorry, you know, 30 grams of protein. And, the, and, and when you look at like the, the science around it and the articles that show if you can have 30 to 55 grams of protein, the way that that floods your blood with amino acids prompts that muscle protein synthesis. And then you swap that out and actually change it for something that is less protein based and my body composition will change. It's just, I find the whole area so, so fascinating. Yeah. Um, yeah, really Very interesting. Isn't I it? I think Jason, uh, not Benjamin Bickman has as well, like done a lot of very interesting stuff in this space and, and has looked at, into it and is talking about it a lot. And then, uh, I don't know if you know, uh, a guy called Marty Kendall. Um, he as well, like has very, very interested, interesting stuff related to this. Highly recommend checking it out. I will check him out. Yeah, no, I hadn't, um, I hadn't come across him yet. Um, so also, um, people, as you were saying, the difference with this app compared to something basic like a Freestyle Libra, for example, is that they can actually tag their foods, their meals and take photos and put in the composition and then get a score. And what I liked as well was it shows me the amount of time that I'm send, spending between the ideal range. So that I can actually see, am I am I staying within it? And it and it got quite competitive, if I'm honest. So when I had a, you know an off day where I'd got the food wrong, for example, and I spiked out of it, it was quite annoying. So yeah. I think it really builds compliance, right? Which is what you're trying to do is help people optimize their health because you want to. It it does make you competitive. You think I actually want to stay within this tight range. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, 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 there's a couple of things there. Uh, one is that the ranges that are that are like 
inherently developed to Abbott's app, for example, are more of uh, the range of, of, of like diabetic ranges, right? So we need to get to, with our user, um, with our like typical user, we need to get to normal ranges instead of like diabetic ranges. And we need to get to, some people even want to, like I could imagine like, like yourself, wants to get from normal ranges to optimal ranges. Mm. So that's really like what we as well, how we've developed the product and built the product for someone like yourself to not be at the level where, you know, you you're okay with, with, uh, with, with being at the normal range, but you want to actually get as well to, to the optimal range. So that's something that we are trying to build into the product and just as well, the simple scoring systems where we take, we take the latest, uh, data from the, from the, uh, non-diabetic research, the, uh, the, the, the pre-diabetic research, we look at how are these people reacting to to certain foods, what are the metrics that they're trying to optimize in those studies um, that are then linked to better metabolic health outcomes. And we implement them into the scores. So you don't have to do all of the hard work of understanding that what's my two hour glucose, what's my peak glucose and what is my, uh, how much am I out of range in minutes so that I can calculate like some sort of a score to understand that how well did this meal perform versus this meal. And then, you know, adding the complexity and, and the understanding of, we can't look at, we can't look at food or a reaction to a food or base our opinion on if something, an ingredient or a meal is better than another. If we don't know how much you slept the earlier night, how mm. much, how much, how like depleted are your glycogen stores due to an exercise session just recently, how, um, how, um, how, how is your earlier meal? Like, did you eat like on your earlier meal? Did you eat something that had a huge impact to your glucose levels, which we've seen in our data set actually makes you like a bit more numb on the next, uh, next iteration. When you eat something actually next, even if it was very high carb, you wouldn't spike the same way. Um, so all of these things, you know, are things that we need to take into consideration and with the application, how we've developed that, it takes all of these things on the background into, into consideration and through that helps a non-diabetic understand that what needs to be my glucose, what my glucose levels need to be, uh, in order for me to uh, live a longer, uh, longer and healthier life. Yes, yeah, so can we unpack that a little bit? So if we're looking at, obviously, what's really useful in the app is you can change very easily between the way we record it here in the UK, um, millimoles per litre, to the US version, so you can actually see. But if we're looking at, for a healthy person, um, so somebody who's not got any kind of insulin resistance and they're looking, or diabetes, and they're looking to stay within that optimal range, what are the ranges that you found and you're setting it within? Yeah, it's, uh, so it, it, of course, like, uh, depends on, uh, it depends a bit on, uh, the, the, uh, subject in, in, in who we're talking about, but you could, you could basically, uh, make the point of glucose levels between 70 to hundred milligrams per deciliter for approximately 90% of the day, which rarely go about 140 milligrams per deciliter or below 60 milligrams per deciliter is considered normal, right? 
mean post-meal glucose peaks ranging from 90 to 150 milligrams per deciliter is considered normal as well. Um, and, uh, and so on. I've seen even I sell myself a non-diabetic, I've seen my glucose levels explode to a bit over 180 to 200 millimoles per, per, uh, or milligrams per deciliter, uh, that are considered diabetic, but because of like wrong kind of like wrong kind of food that is not like nowhere close to optimal for me. So when you when you're looking at those ranges, for example, you see if I look at mine, and that's obviously the more of the US measure than we use in the UK. So I've just converted it back to those now. So I'm looking at, for example, the app will tell me that when I've got a spike up to 134, I'm getting an amber signal. So this has gone too high because the green zone actually is set for me between 69 and 105. But yep. I'm not sure how that setting is. Is that your own setting? Yeah, we, we've set the range by looking at looking at your looking at your average, and then we look at the range on both side of the both side of like higher and lower, and we try to draw you that very tight, nice range to stay in that is considered optimal. For so, for example, for me, it's around one hundred and eight to seventy two right now. Okay, got you. So that range is dynamic. Then it's based around the individual. The range is dynamic and based on individual, yes. Okay, interesting. So then, but then when it goes up, that's to be expected, right? Sometimes, for example, like if I wanted to do, if I do a very heavy strength training session, I want to replenish glycogen levels, I may be eating something that's higher carb and that will take me into that amber range. Yeah, yes. So that's something that, uh, that's something that there is, is right now uh, where we don't take into consideration any of the any of the like negative negative so to say or positive spikes that you know like are something that occur during uh, during high intensity workouts right so those are not included into any of the scoring right like spiking uh, during uh, exercise is considered very very healthy. <laughs> Yeah. And so just and just for people who I want to convert that, so the, in that tight range that I'm looking at is between four and six when we're looking at the way it's measured here in the UK. Um, so when, um, what have you found yourself has spiked you really high when you've had those high levels? Yeah, very good question. Uh, there's a couple of things actually. So I... <laughs> I, I think one of the one of the biggest things coming into the space. I remember when we were testing out this earlier, uh, when we were still in the very kind of like much exploration phase and understanding uh, if this if this uh, if this space and well this uh, this hardware is something that we really want to invest in and go deep into. Um, but I remember that I was shocked uh, of how bananas were <laughs> bananas were making my blood sugar go bananas. So. <laughs> That, that example that I gave earlier, that 180, that was actually from a banana after a workout. So very, very um, high spike to something that I will always considered very healthy. But even today, like today, I don't eat, I eat like bananas very, very rarely. When I do, I mix them up, mix them up with uh, like a very good quality peanut butter, being a peanut butter paste. Uh, which, you know, gives a nice like curbing effect to the bigger spikes there. Mm -hmm. And they taste delicious too, together. Um, and, uh, 
I've seen as well how sleep uh, has a has a huge impact to to my scores and to my glucose levels. So very often when I have a six hours of sleep, uh, my all of my meals on that day are so bad. I mm. spike so much, and I'm very much like uh, about my my target range uh, in the in the following day. That it's uh it's it's it just like you just appreciate good sleep, you know, more and more when you see that constantly happening on a day-to-day basis. And what I've seen as well is that stress has a huge impact to my readings. So, um, cortisol has an effect of having a huge impact to your glucose, which is very natural if you think about it, right? When, when, like, if you, if you look at uh, a couple of, couple of hundred years back, uh, you would you would secrete cortisol. You would uh, inst- uh, or you would you would start this like flight or f- fight flight or fight mode where you would have to do that decision, which is basically uh, your body just through cortisol, your body pumping more energy to your muscles so that you can you can run or fight. Right. So this is something that happens when you are stressed. Uh, in for example meetings, I can I, I've, I've seen this where. In a meeting, I have a huge glucose spike. Um, it's been quite a party trick a couple of times. Um, I've seen that. I've seen that. That was really that was really interesting for me. Just how instant that is. And the challenging thing with this is that in the current environment that we live in, like living in like we weren't made to we weren't made to live in cities and live in like this sort of a working environment that we're living in, which is. A result that our cortisol levels and and rest of like our stress hormones are constantly high, and they are something that you know we we are able to see on the on the data set um, on on certain people, and certain people uh, have come to us to manage actually stress and see those glucose levels go down, which has been very very interesting. So glucose touches a lot of different things. It's, 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 it's what the modern human runs on, right? Like 90% of the human body on the modern human, 90% of the energy production happens through citric acid cycle and, and through, through, uh, through, through glucose, um, and ATP production, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think there's a, there's a few things that you make, you, you mentioned there that I think are really important for people listening is firstly, when you were talking about bananas, I always say to people, particularly if you're trying to lose weight, do not have unopposed carbs, right? A carb should not be like that because that's really going to spike your blood sugar, spike insulin, and insulin signals the body to store fat, which obviously yeah. if you're trying to lose body fat, that's that you want the reverse. However, post-workout, actually, as we were talking about, replenishing muscle glycogen might be a time to actually deliberately spike it a little bit. Um, mm. But the stress aspect is very, very interesting. And also caffeine will raise my blood glucose, not significantly, but enough to um, just, you'll see a bit of a spike in the morning because that's interacting with that cortisol rhythm. And obviously cortisol is higher in the morning. It's just like, as I get out of bed and I start getting moving around, naturally my blood sugar is rising slightly, but then it's got to power me to walk, right? I'm no longer lying in bed, Um, but, but caffeine spikes that. What is interesting as well, is the way in which alcohol lowers blood sugar. And I think you very much found that in terms of this tagging data that you've been collecting, right? Yeah, wine is one of the, one of the best performing tags, actually. <laughs> yeah, it is. Although, does it actually 
lower it then over the whole for the whole night. I actually think when I've had wine that I have a harder time of controlling my blood sugar at night and it may even dip quite a bit below, even it starts to go below that range. And I think that's the other thing that's really useful is where you're, I want to come back to alcohol, but this just brings me on to where you're collecting that data all night. It was fascinating for me to see my blood glucose drop down to 3.3, which I'm not sure what that is in the American reading. I can get that. But as, as that happens, it then would basically wake me up sometimes. So I would see on my aura ring that I would actually become awake. And it's kind of like, what happened first? You know, did my blood sugar drop? And so then my body is naturally releasing adrenaline and cortisol to put the sugar back into the blood. And obviously that cortisol is very stimulatory. It then wakes you up momentarily. Yeah. Um, or, you know, was I waking up just because of stress and therefore my blood glucose was rising because I was going through a stressful period. It's very interesting. And yeah. I just think we're going to discover more and more about this. Yeah, definitely. Something that we're as well, like looking into a lot and we'll just keep on diving in the future with, with the data set that we have and with things that we're, we're working on, on our, on our, um, internally, but as well in the future in like clinical data set, uh, mm. clinical settings. Yeah. Cause I think this will really help a lot of people because so many people I speak to, they're like, Oh, I wake up in the middle of the night. I don't really know why. And actually starting to understand why that might be is super helpful. It's a bit like I've seen um, you can change it in real time. In the example you were talking about, like stressful meetings will raise your blood sugar, but then introducing a period of meditation or breath work for a few minutes, I can actually then physically see it go back down. So yeah. it's, and it's, 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 it's great. Yeah. It's really powerful, isn't it? To have something that you can use both ways and interact. Um, one thing I have found is like, Alcohol is a difficult one, isn't it? Because when you are processing toxins when you have alcohol, which means that you're probably not processing, well, you're not definitely not processing the carbohydrates as quickly from a meal. So alcohol with a carb-containing meal, sometimes it depresses blood sugar initially, but then you may have a harder time later of controlling blood glucose. Have you seen that happen in terms of the data you've been collecting? We haven't, we haven't necessarily like seen that directly with the data that we we're collecting, but definitely, definitely. I, I, I noticed that like myself. Mm. Yeah. It's interesting. And the other thing I observed was it happened to fall over my birthday when I was testing this and, um, my kids produced me <laughs> this Kit Kat chocolate cheesecake. Okay. <laughs> Like probably the one of the most unhealthy things I could eat in terms of the oils, the fats, the sugar, the, you know, crazy. And uh, it was absolutely delicious. I'm not going to say it wasn't. Um, it's such a hyper palatable oh food. And it was really interesting because I was like, oh, this would be interesting. See what Very has to say about this. And I predicted that it wouldn't actually spike it. And it didn't. And I think that's because of the high fat content, the fat content. from the cheese. Yeah. But what was really interesting, just for people listening, because it doesn't mean you can go and eat fat and sugar. This is like basically indulging in donuts every day. It's very bad for your health. Um, is that what was interesting across that night, while there was never a spike, um, across that night, my blood sugar was slightly raised or it was higher than it would normally be all through the night. Yeah. Yeah. That's something that we've, uh, we, we've seen as well. Uh, and I've seen in my own use when, 
when eating eating something on with very like high carbohydrate uh high fat like content food or meals definitely keeps your blood sugar up because it doesn't mean that it doesn't really mean that uh you are not um you are still ingesting the same amount of carbohydrates right it's just mm-hmm. about your know, that fat is suppressing it suppressing it to to spike which you know is then arguable if it if it is like better or better or worse uh if it's like chronically higher right mm, absolutely because if you think about it then you're constantly having elevated insulin and it's interfering with all of those other hormones that we're talking about throughout the night Um, and you're not burning fat all night. That's the other thing that I think. And that's, that's something that's interesting as well. When I've been speaking to the guys over at Lumen that look at what you're breathing out in terms of what you're burning at any one time. And they've been talking about how they find that if you have had alcohol, actually you may wake up in a, in a carb burning state as opposed to a fat burning state. Mm. So you're not, but you're not getting all those benefits of fasting. So even though you might think, well, actually I fasted for 12 hours in reality, it doesn't really matter because you never transitioned into that state. Yeah. Because you're just burning off just to albeit more slowly that, uh, high calorie food that I think my son told me that he calculated it was 700 calories a slice, (laughs) which he told me (laughs) afterwards. (laughs) I did kind of combat that the next morning by going to the gym and doing a very intense strength training session in a fasted state to completely deplete muscle glycogen. (laughs) Yeah, that's good. That's good. As much as I could, yeah. So definitely a treat for your body. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. I thought I had to pay it back. Are there any other insights you found that you want to share that um, with with people listening that you think would be helpful for them? Um, there's plenty. I could go on and on, but uh, there's there's plenty of plenty of very interesting interesting insights in uh, in uh, in using the product. I think a lot of things like a lot of interesting things are happening, like especially related to exercise sessions, right? So. Uh, you know, the difference between an aerobic and an anaerobic exercise and how your glucose like uh, doesn't spike and spikes uh, depending on the type, the type of your exercise. And it's no, no way is a, is an anaerobic exercise um, bad for you, even though like very often, if you get into like certain like intensity level and in, 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 in things like, you know, weightlifting or circuit training or, uh, or, or so on, you know, you wouldn't you'll see a glucose spike but by no means is it, is it a bad thing right um when then on aerobic exercises we see a lot of people just like steadily uh steadily kind of like depleting the 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 uh, their their glucose levels like from from their um uh, like slowly and that then you know like uh, just like going down constantly instead of like having a significant increase all of a sudden that's interesting yeah, I guess it's just the way that you're predominating burning fat and carbs, um, depending on what what range your heart rate is in. But what's useful for people, I think, is understanding when you come out of that exercise session, how quickly your um, levels can recover, right? Because that would demonstrate that you have true metabolic flexibility because you're within a short period of time, even if you've done a really high intensity session where you're burning um 
a lot of um, carbohydrates, for example. Um, this is very annoying that my, I apologize to people listening, that my f airplane mode is not working on my phone. <laughs> um, it's very annoying. It just seems to come through regardless. But um, I need to that. But yeah, when you're working out like that and you're using carbs as a fuel, afterwards, as your heart rate begins to recover and normalize, it's interesting then to track how quickly your blood glucose comes back into balance and how you're able to transition into a fat burning state, right? Because that's where we want to be um, with controlled blood sugar during the day. So that must be interesting seeing in a, in a variety of subjects, how quickly that comes back in alignment. Yeah, that is very interesting. That is very interesting. And just like seeing the combination of these two different metrics kind of like coming together for the first time or three different things coming together for the first time, right? Like we are, we've always been talked uh, or we've always been thought to, you know, like do like a brisk walk or, or, or something like after, after a meal, right? That's something that I think that is like, um, something like my grandparents do like, uh, mm. and it just like comes naturally for them. And I think the reason is that what we've seen a lot, and uh, there's like, there's as well, like a lot of, uh, studies about this where, you know, you having a very like high, having even like a very high carb, like simple carbohydrate, like meal and doing a brisk walk after that just like has a huge impact to higher glucose levels just don't spike at all. Right. And these are little, little small things that one can do in order to promote better metabolic health. Right. So it's very interesting and how it's very nicely reinforced this kind of behavior when you actually see it yourself. Yeah, very much so. It's a bit like as well, if you do, I think like 60 seconds of even intense sort of body weight activity, yeah. like some squats at the kitchen counter is going to improve insulin sensitivity post meal. Yeah. Yeah. Tiny little changes that people can make and then track in your app because they can actually see, oh, you know, when I, when I do this or when I go for a walk afterwards or I do both, I pre and post exercise, actually I manage my blood glucose so much better than when I go and sit on the sofa. Exactly, exactly. Uh, we very much believe that seeing is believing and that's what we're trying to manifest in the application every single day mm. for our users. I love that. I think it builds compliance. Definitely. That's the thing because you start to understand and, and it is such a, when you look at it, Controlling your blood sugar and controlling inflammation are two of the biggest things you can do in terms of protecting yourself against almost every single chronic disease there is. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And the thing is that the thing is that what we've seen now and, and what we continue seeing is that there's like the customers are such a big, wide audience of, of people that have like slightly different, different, uh, objectives what they like come to do in the product but it's it's the thing is that still everyone wants to like a factor that brings every one of them together is that everyone just like wants to understand where they where they at like what is the state of their metabolic health at the given time and how they can improve it and trad like traditionally there's been there's been like a very kind of like binary view to the whole market uh where you know there's a there's a point in time where you're sick and you're considered diabetic or other such chronic illness, right? But we see it so much more as a gradient. It's a spectrum. And if we can really like help people understand the, the, uh, the signal that your body is sending you much more before a like the disease occurs, 
Mm. At the end of the day, diabetes is a late phenotype along a wide spectrum of metabolic dysfunctions, right? Mm. So, so, you know, we, we really want to, we really want to help people distinguish where are they at that journey of, uh, you know, how, how are they doing right now and how can they get, get like back to the line, get back to a better place where they are, um, in optimal health and they are insulin sensitive. Their insulin clearance is, 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 uh, is top notch. They're in like they're secreting insulin on a daily basis, like, uh, very little, uh, you know, and, um, that's really what we are like attempting to do here and trying to draw a gradient, uh, between the health, um, health and the, the metabolic health, uh, the, the metabolic health field. Yeah. I love that. I love that. And I think it's so important because, you know, people understand that when you become metabolically healthy, your body composition pretty much looks after itself. That's the thing. Right. You can go on any number of diets, but in reality, when you become healthy, you will have a good, good body composition. Um, yeah. yeah. And that's, I think, I think that's like very much like when we are on a very superficial level, uh, what I mean by superficial level is that when we look at calories in calories out, so to say, we're not looking at the full picture. And I, I, I feel that it's as well, like very consuming to a lot of people because you can't really like run on deficit calories. What you can do though, is that you can take care that you are eating very good quality food. Um, and you are, you're, fo you're focusing on the food quality and you're focusing on keeping your insulin levels as low as possible and your body will take care of itself. That's the beauty of it. Yeah, absolutely. It is the beauty. And I think for people to be able to understand, as I say, because it is so bio-individual, right? The same food can have a completely different impact on one individual compared to another. And so this really helps you just from the comfort of your own home, super, super easy to put in, utilize and remove. I just think it's amazing. I, I love what you guys are doing. Um, tell me, where can people find more about you? I know you have a waiting list, Anthony. How can they find out more about utilizing Berry? Yeah, very is, uh, we are right now in a waiting list and our onboarding people, uh, pretty like right now we have like a seven to 14 day, 14 day queue to the product, but I have, and we have provided Angela a code <laughs> to get past the wait list. So, uh, use that for a small discount as well. You can test out the product, see, see what foods, foods, your body favors, what is making and breaking your body. Um, and, uh, we are at, we are on Twitter at very stable uh, with at very stable and we're at Instagram as well with at very stable. So there we have, um, we do, we do quite a lot of, a lot of stuff there. We do as well have a community, a page, um, that is crew.verystable.com. I suppose. I think so. You can access it through our website as well. And there's all of our all of our plus 2000 members are there and talking and sharing their insights, what they're finding. So maybe as well, before jumping to actually using the product, you can as well, like find how people are finding the product. We, we absolutely love our, our folks in the community and, uh, and, uh, are constantly learning more new things about them of how to improve the product and, uh, and, uh, what to focus on. So, uh, you, you can as well, like jump there without actually purchasing the product first, you can access some channels. So, 
Uh, That's amazing. And be among other fellow health optimizers. That's awesome. I will link to that and um, everything you've talked about there in the show notes and over on my website, AngelaFosterPerformance.com, together with um, the link that they can bypass the queue and get the discount as well. So thank you so much for coming on, Anthony. I've really enjoyed, as I say, the interface. It's something that I'm definitely going to be using more and more because I just love the insights and the accountability it gives you. Thanks so much for sharing your, your time and all of your knowledge here today. Thank you, Angela. It was a pleasure. I really enjoyed this. Thank you so much. Me too. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. Um, as I mentioned, if you want to get your hands on the very CGM and get access to their app and jump the queue, you just need to go to bit.ly forward slash get very. That's bit.ly forward slash G-E-T-V-E-R-I. You'll jump the queue and you'll get 25% off. As always, all of the show notes and the transcript will be over on my website, AngelaFosterPerformance.com forward slash podcast. Have a great week and I'll see you next Tuesday. Thanks for listening. Remember to review and subscribe. You can grab the show notes, the resources and highlights of everything Angela mentioned over at AngelaFosterPerformance.com. You can also snatch up plenty of other goodies, including the highly helpful Angela Recommends page, which is a list of everything she personally recommends to optimize your mind, body and lifestyle.